All right, folks, today is the date, 11-21-2022, that we get massive, massive news coming from Ripple Swell Conference. Brad Garlinghouse exposing Bank of America, quote, Bank of America to gain competitive advantage with on-demand liquidity after the Ripple versus SEC case gets settled. He's saying that they are ready to settle up with the SEC. Just give us clarity and we're ready to settle up. And our partners, going back to 2018, I believe was when that partnership was announced with Bank of America, our partners are going to get a competitive advantage utilizing on-demand liquidity, and that's XRP exclusively, folks. Massive, massive update once again tonight. I wasn't even really planning on going live, but this came through. We have further updates to get right on through. So let's get started right away. I appreciate everyone so much for joining me tonight. This is, I'm going to be straight up. No BS. You guys know me. I'm not about hype and clickbait and nonsense. If it's in my title, if we're talking about it, if we're getting excited about it, it's because I really believe that this is bullish. This is exciting. This is one of the best things I've heard in a minute, in a while. As someone who's going through and listening to what's happening in this space every single day, this is one of the best pieces of news, uh, insights, we'll call it. Uh, and so we're going to get into that here shortly. But before we do, let's get right on into our current events, the current update. Let's take a look here. Before we get started, I just want to make sure that you guys are doing all right tonight. We have nearly 200 in the chat. Nearly 200 in the chat. A little party has begun. And let's keep it rolling. I appreciate all of you guys so much for joining me tonight. 15,800 Bitcoin got smacked today. Ethereum down to 1100 at the time of this recording. And we're right here almost at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the West Coast. XRP at 35 cents. Incredible opportunity. Never thought that we'd be down here again hanging out here. I'm going to get into the charts at the end of this session. Let's get right into the current event update, guys. It's absolutely massive. Check this one out. Check this one out. We're going to take it on over to Qatar to get started. Gold Telegraph, breaking news. Qatar signs deal to supply gas to China for 27 years. One of the biggest LNG deals ever. Things continue to move quickly. On the other side, Russia reiterates that it won't sell oil to price cap nations. This is the scenario that JPM said would send oil to 200 plus per barrel. $200 a barrel plus. Now, this is what's happening here. This is a complete setup of the West. We get to adopt Green New Deals, Go Broke, the peasant lifestyle, while the rest of these countries are doing some of the largest natural gas deals ever, Qatar and China. Massive. For 27 years, that's a deal. That's, that's putting it down and getting it done, right? Well, while over here in the West, we're supposed to ride our bike to work, right? And eat crickets. Now, bringing it back on in here to the United States, the DC swamp, here's the situation with the FTX crypto saga brought to us by Ron Hammond, giving us the inside scoop in the DC situation. This week in Congress and crypto, last week, the Blockchain Association hosted our first annual policy summit with industry leaders, regulators, members of Congress, and staff. The timing couldn't have been better with the FTX fiasco playing out in real time. Here is what DC is saying. Now, I'm going to summarize. They are shell-shocked, of course. Yes, nobody saw this coming, right? The Hill is still largely in fact uh, fact-finding mode, and that is important. Yes, they're still trying to figure it out. And I wanted to make this point, that the people representing us in the United States Congress are stupid and they're sellouts. 
And so it's the two worst characteristics you could have, especially for representatives of the American people. Some of them are just downright stupid. And the rest of them are sellouts. And some of them are just both. They're stupid and they're sellouts. That's who's been representing us in that D.C. swamp. Now, Ron Hammond's going into this. Uh, says this episode will bleed over into 2023, but we do have one bill that seems to have uh, reemerged is the stable coin bill. While not directly related to the FTX issue, some versions have included a no uh, commingling of customer funds section, which is what many lawmakers view as one issue that can get done this year. And uh, this is critical. Ron says, if stablecoin legislation doesn't get across the finish line this year, expect Congress to pick it right back up next year. The general consensus from the policymakers and staff at the summit was the DCCPA, also known as the FTX bill, is largely dead but could reappear later. Well, I'd I'd surely hope that the bill that Sam Bankman-Fried was looking to co-sponsor is done or at least getting altered. But Ron says, one thing is for certain, Congress feels compelled more than ever to act. Oh, you bet. Elizabeth Warren, I got a plan for that. They're going to step up and protect us. Thank God we got the, the likes of Elizabeth Warren with her plan. Too, uh, too many, the regulators seem to fail in their duty. Too many, the regulators seem to fail in their duty. To others, the fact that SBF lied to many of them in D.C. about their business practices is causing anger and has hurt the crypto industry's credibility. Combine these factors with a split Congress next year and several bipartisan proposals in the financial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Here's the deal. Even if we do, uh, there could still be gridlock because we could still have separation right there. But here's what's going on behind the scenes right here from Crypto Whale. In February of 2022, Chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, met with Sam Bankman-Fried. So not only was Sam Bankman-Fried meeting with our sellout politicians, he was meeting with the Federal Reserve. He was meeting with all the people that mattered, and he was getting that he was getting that go ahead, you know. And, and there was a competition probably to be had between FTX and the Fed, who's running a better Ponzi scheme, you know, Jerome Powell, SB, uh, SBF, right there across the table from each other, you know, how's your Ponzi scheme working out for you? That's that's the conversation to be had there between the Federal Reserve and FTX. Conversation in 2022 February of this year. Now, continuing on, and this is where every single three-letter agency of America here has failed us. Our federal government three-letter agencies have completely failed us across the board because this includes the CFTC as well. Molly Elmore, why didn't the CFTC realize FTX was a mess during the acquisition of Ledger X? Quote, the deal gives FTX.us a slew of licenses guaranteed to Ledger X by the U.S. CFTC. As such, the exchange can move to offer crypto futures, swaps, and options to U.S. retail traders. Right there, right? Yeah. So you're you're getting into trading even derivatives too. This was the full go-ahead from uh, the CFTC as well. So it's not just the SEC. It's not just Gary Gensler. It's the CFTC as well that has let us down. But what does this do? It gives the Wall Street boys and girls an opportunity to move in. While, while the old world, while the stock market is getting absolutely hammered, JP Morgan and the crypto space is getting absolutely hammered, JP Morgan Crypto Wall is now officially a registered trademark in the United States. So they have officially trademarked their crypto wallet, JP Morgan. Now, talking about the stocks getting absolutely smacked, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson says he expects the S&P 500 to fall to 3,000 to 3,300 in Q1 of next year. So another massive drop coming for that S&P 500. 
Now, crypto firm Genesis previously lent $2.36 billion to bankrupt hedge fund Three Arrows Capital. Today, the news that came out this weekend was crypto firm Genesis was needing a loan of $1 billion. I do not believe that they have gotten that loan yet from all the reporting that I've been able to see. They have not received that loan yet. So it looks like Genesis is about to go bust if they don't get bailed out here shortly as well. But part of what led to that was initially lending $2.36 billion to Three Arrows Capital, which was the first one of the first dominoes to fall. And so the crypto contagion is still spreading from events that happened months ago. This is all still playing itself out and we are not done. We are definitely not done. And the likes of Peter Schiff are definitely going to come in and take advantage. Peter Schiff is going to be dropping a hit piece on crypto every single day forever and especially during this bear market especially during this liquidity crisis peter schiff is absolutely loving this he can't get enough of it he says the grayscale bitcoin trust was one of the main reasons bitcoin rallied to 69k it advertised on cnbc to get retail investors to pay huge premiums to net asset value then it issued new shares to institutions at net asset value using the proceeds to buy more bitcoin pushing the price even higher absolutely Absolutely. You know, and he is correct. I, I do agree with Peter in a lot of his criticisms. And interesting to note, Grayscale was one of those that I think they issued at least one ETF that got denied. They might have done a couple or it was just an ongoing process. But if Grayscale would have been able to get their ETF through, just think of what that would have done for the market as well. I mean, Bitcoin easily probably could have gotten pumped to 100K if an ETF had been approved this cycle, right? Um, I, I Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe they did approve one finally. Um, I don't know where they're at. I still don't think that we have a spot. We don't have a spot one. That's what it is. I'm pretty sure we have a Bitcoin ETF, but it's not a spot ETF, which that's what matters, right? Unlike it, little deals like this with the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. You're, you're, buying, you're paying a huge premium to net asset value, and then the whole thing goes bust. Now, continuing on this, take a look at this, folks. Uh, this is from an Coinbase Insider says RIP Coinbase, insider here. Coinbase has lost, quote unquote, lost 600,000 Bitcoins since it started to, to mismanagement and not understanding how to survive a bear market. They are scrambling to raise capital and will fail. You will see them announce this shortly. Grayscale has already started damage control via Twitter over the weekend. You have been warned. Now, this is unconfirmed. I cannot confirm this. This is just a report. But... We know that a serious, serious liquidity crisis is underway, and we definitely believe that even the likes of Coinbase, some of the biggest players in the space that are trying to do things the right way, working with regulators, are still getting exposed and uh, you know caught up in this situation. So this, this uh, Grayscale has already started damage control via Twitter over the weekend, and apparently Coinbase has lost 600,000 Bitcoins. That's unconfirmed, but we're going to continue to watch this as well. What did Coinbase have to say? This is what they said. Coinbase put out a letter saying they have all of Grayscale's BTC, but we get no third-party auditor, no on-chain attestation, no description of the methodology. So basically, we get a, hey, can you trust me, bro, from Coinbase. And we're seeing a lot of movements happening behind the scenes with these exchanges. Watch Tether closely. It's still ongoing. The contagion's still spreading. And this thing has not been contained. Absolutely has not been contained. And they can try to bail each other out and do that to keep it alive. But I think we still have a ways to go fundamentally. And like we talked about yesterday, the likes of Ripple speaking about how they're going to be picking through the carcass of FTX. 
So there's going to be remnants left here that are worth salvaging, but a lot of these just need to go bust, need to get cleared out, and we quite frankly love to see this. This is good for the space. Now, just how bad is the crypto collapse getting? My landlord friend in Dallas just asked me if I know anything about Bitcoin miners. Quote, this Bitcoin mining company defaulted, moved out, and left all of their equipment behind. 200 amp miners. Now, this is Bitcoin miners. And some of you might be thinking, well, you could use this for computer gaming. You know, you could use this for something else. No, these are ASIC miners. So I'm, I'm not an expert on Bitcoin mining, but these are not like you can't use this for gaming with computers. So for people that think, oh, well, you know, great, we'll have all these chips and people will be able to use these chips for other things. These chips were made just for Bitcoin mining. But um, this is the situation right now, guys, is the price of Bitcoin is dropping below the uh, the break even point for Bitcoin miners. So, and, and especially in the United States, especially when the gra gas prices are going up, energy prices going up in Europe, especially as well, right? If you're, if you're having to mine it just off the grid without efficient means, without renewable energy, without, uh, you know, harnessing some other technology, you're going to run up an electrical bill that's uh, astronomical. And you're going to go bust. You're not, and this is why Bitcoin miners move to Iceland and set up huge Bitcoin mining farms. Then they move to Russia where they can get cheap natural gas. And, you know, like they were doing in the country I won't name that starts with a C, they're running off of hydroelectric dams and coal power plants. So, so Bitcoin, um, you know, and we're not tree huggers by any means, but it is a waste of energy for sure. When you could power whole countries, but instead you run an ineffective, outdated payment networks, that's just not a good use of resources. Uh, it has nothing to do with being tree huggers. It's just a waste of energy. Now, continuing on, folks, this is interesting here from Kim.com. We are heading into either nuclear war or a global depression while having fun on Twitter. We are the musicians on the Titanic. Now, that's funny, and that is true. You know, it's it's definitely a little scary out there, a little shaky. Uh, the waters are a little, uh, there, there's some ripples, let's say, say that. But it made me think of that meme that showed, uh, you know, Tether and some of the other largest, biggest players, you know, Tether being the Titanic. Maybe you guys have seen this meme that I'm thinking of. Tether being the Titanic and Bitfinex, and then you got Ripple being a submarine underneath the water. So the Titanic's heading straight for that big iceberg, right, with the rest of the space, with their little dummy, uh, you know, floaties, little life vests, trying to hang on for dear life. But Ripple has literally built a nuclear submarine going underneath the water and going to pass through cleanly. That's literally the situation. It's not just a meme. And I'm about to get into the really bullish news, the really bullish insight that we got on this Ripple XRP, but when you look at what they've done, it's not just a meme joke, a nuclear sub. They literally have the XRP ledger running in nuclear bunkers. People forget that. Like that that's not really a talked about thing in the XRP community at large, but some people have touched on it and you guys maybe know about this, that there's already validators in XRP nodes within nuclear bunkers. No joke, it, it go confirm it and look it up for yourself. That is a real thing. So we literally have the network being secured in nuclear bunkers while the whole rest of the space is like the Titanic going for that iceberg. And uh, a lot of the space, 99% of the space going away, according to Brad Garlinghouse. And we know what ship we, we know what ship we're on. We know what ship we're on. It's smooth sailing for us still. Now, the situation for the average household in America, though, getting ugly. It's getting brutal out there, if we ought to be honest. Personal savings versus credit card debt. Look at this chart, folks. This is actually um, pretty sad to see. 
pretty sad to see. This is your personal savings versus credit card debt. So you can see that personal savings, that green line just falling off a cliff there, reaching highs up, uh, and that would be in March, uh, right after the pandemic, personal savings reached the highest amount after the uh, March events of 2020. Just after that, everyone was starting to save all their money and, and per, you know, didn't know what the hell was going on, right? So we had personal savings rates soar, right, right, reaching a very high level. But then we see it falling off a cliff back down here to pre-pandemic levels. And we see the credit card debt reaching all-time highs in America. I think that we're at nearly one trillion now is the number. Excuse me. Nearly one trillion in average US credit card uh, household debt. So pretty, pretty ugly situation out there. Now let's get into the exciting news. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for joining me tonight. This is where this is what you've been waiting for. This is where this gets exciting, folks. Cheers. Thank you for joining me. And if you can do your boy a favor, please smash that thumbs up for me. Thank you. Let's get right into it. So we titled this video, Brad exposes Bank of America to gain competitive advantage with on-demand liquidity. Remember, XRP is used in on-demand liquidity exclusively, or sorry, in on-demand liquidity, XRP is used exclusively now. It's no longer RippleNet, XCurrent, XVIA, and all these different versions. You can still be a RippleNet client, right? And you can settle fiat without XRP, but on-demand liquidity is exclusively XRP. That's where they've gone with things right now. So it's basically RippleNet that is not on-demand liquidity, not XRP. You can still settle fiat using the Ripple network. And then you have on-demand liquidity, which settles exclusively with XRP. That's the current situation, so there's no confusion. Now let's get into this, because this is exciting. For the people saying that ComBank didn't say they would use XRP. Now, this is a couple days old, but I wanted to highlight this. This is a bank out of Australia. The biggest financial conglomerate of Australia implements the XRP standard. And there's a lot of confusion going around right now about ISO. A lot of people confused. This was the date today, November 21st, when we were all supposed to get rich because our ISO coins were supposed to pump, right? Wrong. We knew that that wasn't going to be the day. We knew this wasn't going to be the day. We tried to warn you guys about that. But today, some institutions have rolled on over. Uh, there's new documents that SWIFT has now activated more of their banking system, more of their messaging ready for cryptocurrency payments. We've already talked about how back in August, um, SWIFT members had the option to opt in to ISO 222 standard. Okay. And yes, ISO 222 standard is separate from XRP, but ComBank here in Australia said that starting this month, they would leverage Ripple's XRP to help, help them adopt ISO 222 standard for cross-border payments. The bank plans to completely migrate all its transactions to ISO 222 over the next three years. And we know that Ripple's native cryptocurrency XRP has been designed in a way to facilitate instant cross-border payments. But this is where this gets very exciting, folks. This is the director of member sales, Nick Burafado, at Ripplesswell in 2022 here in London, sharing a little bit of insights that he just got from Brad Garlinghouse. This is very, very exciting. Ripple Lab CEO Brad Garlinghouse stated to Link2 Director at Ripplesswell 2022 in London 
that Bank of America is going to gain a competitive advantage when the SEC versus Ripple case settles by using on-demand liquidity in the marketplace. Now, listen to this, folks. This is what we've been waiting for. I'm going to take you through my notes from the day. It's quite loud in here, so I apologize. Um, first thing is, I, I met with Brad Garlinghouse face-to-face, -face and Brad was so confident. He's got an air of confidence about him that's unbelievable. I met Brad first in 2019 back in Singapore, and he's even more confident today than he was back then. He made it clear that they're ready to settle with the SEC as long as they can get clarity on XRP. I asked him if American companies were waiting on the sidelines to jump in the game once clarity happens, and he said absolutely, and he specifically said Bank of America. Bank of America is a huge partner of Ripple, and he said Bank of America, um, Bank of America stands to gain really big when the settlement happens because they're going to have a huge competitive advantage over their competitors by using ODL in the marketplace. So Brad is very, very bullish. I'm going to take you through my notes now, from the now. Just to be clear, uh, Link2 is not a sponsor of me. I'm not affiliated with them in any way. I'm just sharing this clip as someone who got to go to Ripple Swell. He got the inside scoop, got to speak with Brad. Key takeaways, he says that Brad's more confident than when he met him in 2019 in Singapore. And you can see Brad's swag. I mean, he's always been classy with it, but you can see he's got a little extra, uh, you know, uh, pep in the step these days. A little extra swag from Brad. A little, little bit more confidence, according to this, this gentleman right here. This is the director of member sales, Nick Burafato. Okay. And the key things here, he says, Ripple XRP here, uh, Brad Garlinghouse, ready to settle if the SEC will just give clarity for XRP. Right. If they will just give clarity for XRP, they're ready to settle up now. Uh, and then the, the other thing right here is that he says that Bank of America is set to gain a competitive advantage by using ODL. That means that Bank of America is going to use XRP. And that means the Bank of America is going to have a competitive advantage. And I'm going to assume that that's because going back uh, years now, Ripple and Bank of America have been partners for a long time. Check out this article. This is from Yahoo back in April 11th, 2020. This is back in 2020. Bank of America exec lifts lid on Ripple partnership. The head of global banking has heaped praise on cryptocurrency project Ripple and its ability to integrate with traditional banking services. Speaking on a podcast, B of A's Julie Harris discussed emerging payment options for businesses and how it can improve efficacy. Quote, it's not about our platform and our capabilities. It's about you as a client and the infrastructure you have and the ability for us to integrate, whether that's with platforms and capabilities that we built or partnerships that we have with the likes of Ripple or Swift, she said. These are fintechs we're partnering with. They've come through all of our rigor of legal and compliance, and we're able to leverage our banking as a platform to deliver that to you. How about that? Now, speculation surrounding Ripple's ambiguous, uh, ambiguous partnership with the Bank of America has been mounting over the past four years, with Ripple revealing in October that they had been working with the bank since 2016. Now, no, not much further details than that, but just think about that, folks. Since 2016, they've been working with Ripple, and now here we get basically a direct statement, a direct quote from Brad that Bank of America is set to use and get a competitive advantage after the settlement with the SEC using on-demand liquidity, and that means XRP. Because we know that on-demand liquidity is exclusively XRP right now. That's not using RippleNet. 
That's no more proof of concepts. That's as soon as the SEC case is over, we're firing up util utility here in America using Bank of America. Uh, Bank of America, Ripple, XRP. So this is absolutely massive. This is what we've been waiting for, right? Now, we're going to have to remain patient. We're going to have to remain patient because we don't know how much further along this case is going to go. I'm not here to give you an another date. Any time in the next couple months would be great for settlement. We've been saying that for two years. So we're going to continue to say that until this case is done. But we're getting very damn close. I mean, think about this. How the hell could this case go on another year? It's, 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 there's no way that this case goes on another year. What about six months? I've, I've got that answer from a lot of people, a lot of the lawyers, a lot of the uh, people who, who understand litigation of this sense with securities law and understand the SEC and what they're doing here. Some people say three to six months is the timeline. I'm not here to really you know discuss where we're at as far as that goes. For me, this is one of the bullish, most bullish pieces of news or insights I've received. I mean, every single quarter, these quarterly reports that Ripple's been putting out get me going. Absolutely just phenomenal reports from Ripple on a quarterly basis with record on-demand liquidity growth. But seeing this, this confidence from Brad and acknowledging that his, his uh, partners are going to have a competitive advantage using XRP is so massive. And remember, we've covered now that Ripple is now in 90% of FX cross-border markets. As far as all of the cross-border payments networks and, and markets, they are in 90% of them now. We're waiting for clarity in the United States. And just think if Bank of America were to get that competitive advantage, why the likes of JP Morgan, who just filed their trademark for their crypto wallet, and the likes of these other banks and big firms that, that are trying to you know, fight against these other, these other banks. Bank of America being the last remaining banking stock, banking company that Warren Buffett's holding right now. From, from his most recent filings that we got last year, it was confirmed that uh, Warren Buffett had dumped every bank in America besides Bank of America. Does that mean that Warren even knows about Ripple XRP? I would assume he probably does. Um, because of that partnership and because he invested so heavily in Bank of America. But who, who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, though, just think about what's going to happen. Some of the biggest and best partnerships are yet to be announced. NDAs keep Ripple and Team and other banks from disclosing the partnerships. They're non-disclosure agreements until clarity has been set. Then they can announce, oh, yeah, we already cut a deal for the, you know, uh, $5 billion from the escrow account from Ripple. We already cut a deal from them you know, back in 2020, actually. As soon as the liquidity crisis started and we figured out what was going on and you know, we, we, we figured out that the SEC was trying to stall them up and something was going on here, we went and cut a deal with Ripple for some of that escrow account. So anyone who's been a Ripple partner for you know, this partnership going back to 2016, Bank of America, but we know many partnerships were developed uh, you know, basically from 2018 on they went from just a couple hundred all the way up to now over 400 banks and financial institutions. And then even just a couple years ago, they said that they'd already sat at the table and been working with 50 central banks. So by now, I would imagine they've worked with even more than that, right? And we got real deals getting done. Salamander, don't get scared with price of XRP, value the project. Uh, Salamander, exactly. I, I think that for me, the underlying utility set price, base price to provide the liquidity needed takes it to a fun place. 
takes it to a life-changing place. Just the baseline set price that we got to have to start moving some serious chunks of money. You know, um, we've done nothing so far in the overall grand scheme of things. Moving $30 billion over on-demand liquidity so far is just tipping our toes in the water. So we're just getting started, and it's so amazing to start to get some insights leaked from Swell. I'm going to continue to keep you guys updated on that. But this was absolutely massive, absolutely massive. Brad, a new level of confidence, swagger, classy as always. Tried to go help out the Bitcoin and Ethereum maxis that are freaking out in the Twitter spaces that they've been running for like two weeks straight, and they still can't figure out how to save their asses. Brad, just as classy as ever, making a quick appearance, telling the little boys what's up. Good job, guys. Hope it works out for you. Let me know how your program works out. Good luck. God bless to you, right? We love to see it. Now, I wanted to cover this before we check out tonight. Check this out. This is big, big time precedent right here. Library case. Library versus versus SEC, a case that's moving along faster. Library already has lost. Uh, the, The court has ruled that the SEC is correct, that library still is a security, essentially because you're still relying on the library company to build out the token. They're still building it out. So that's the problem here. But we had a filing today. James Flan reports on this. We had a, a filing. And then library here comments and explains. Pretty uneventful conference. The SEC still wants to use process to crush us. Asked for three plus months of discovery. And what's happening here is I believe that they're going to trial. They're going down to trial or they're going to determine what the punishment is, I guess. One or the other. I don't, I don't know if they're taking this to trial now or if they're, they're I'm, I'm assuming that's what that means. Um, because the discovery period's already over. I don't know if this starts a new discovery period. We're going to have to get more breakdown from the lawyers on, on what exactly that means. But essentially, um, the SEC wants another three months to stall this case out. The judge acts like a good guy, but still completely clueless about the big picture. Judge said the SEC should provide clarity on legal secondary sales. SEC smirked and laughed at them. This this is what's being reported from the uh, library, is that the SEC lawyer smirked and laughed at them, at the judge. Now, library also says, we also requested to have all of our settlement discussions with the SEC recorded for transparency in the industry, which the SEC refused. Okay, so the SEC doesn't want any transparency. They don't want that those talks, those settlement discussions ongoing. Okay, now this gentleman asks, why do they need three plus months of discovery after they've won? Library responds, the same reason the SEC waited until 2021 to bring charges just a few months before the five-year statute of limitations on 2016 sales. Despite them having all the evidence they needed by 2018, the process is the punishment. So that's key right there. The process is the punishment. Delay, 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 and get these people to bend at the SEC's will. That's essentially what they're doing, mafia style, right? Thank God Ripple has 100 million big ones to drop on this case. And we know that they have a very, very strong case, much different from the library case. There's different facts in this uh, particular case of the library token. But, um, you know, of course, the SEC doesn't want, uh, you know, transparency and to have that covered. But the key takeaway for this for me was the statute of limitations, five year statute of limitations going back to 2016 and libraries saying that they filed, they filed the case. Um, they waited until 2021, even though they had all of it in 2018, they just let it go on. They let it build up. They let more sales occur. 
because then they get a bigger ticket. That's, that's, that's how this goes. That's what the IRS does against you guys too. They let you make a bunch of money, let you build up a little check for them to go get, and then they come get you. They don't care about you stealing little pennies and, and, and hiding a little bit of money from them. They let you build a case. They let you build out your crypto or at least get it partly built out, right? And then they come after them, but right before the five-year statute of limitations on the 2016 sales. So this got me thinking about in this Ripple versus SEC lawsuit, maybe the lawyers can chime in for us, John Dean, J Jeremy Hogan, and others. You know, how far back does this statute of limitations go in the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit? Because we know that they sold, there was XRP being sold and moved around back in the early days, but you already had the product XRP built out as well from a very early on stage in XRP's history. Like basically it was built out and from that day it, it was basically going and it's essentially had no downtime in 10 years. You know, it's been upgraded. There's been a couple windows of opportunity where it, uh, you know, got upgraded, but it's worked flawlessly for 10 years. And so you had a built out product. And then if you look at how Ripple was structuring those sales of XRP and you go back five years. So if they filed that lawsuit in 2020, that would bring it all the way back to 2015 for the sales that they could potentially be going after, I would assume if it's the same case. But we're going to have to get the lawyers to chime in on that. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what the deal is with that, but I thought that was interesting. And we're going to continue to watch this library versus SEC lawsuit to see the precedent that's set over there. But I've never felt more confident um, ab about what's going on right now, about our investment thesis, about the direction of uh, everything that we've invested in. Zero doubt about it. Salamander, another five spot. Super chat. I appreciate that. XRP, XDC, XLM will make millionaires who are patient, able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. This is an, an emotional game, heavily emotional. Now, uh, we definitely got to understand that, that we can be in this lawsuit for another six months easily, right? This bear market can go on for another few months easily, right? Um, and, and let's take a look at the sticks here. Let's take a look at this market right now and let's see where we're at. So here's the four hour chart for your Bitcoin. Let's take a look. And you can see that we did puncture through briefly one little wick on the four hour chart here. One little wick through that level that I had set as a support, which was the previous low we hit there back at the beginning of the month, that November 8th lunar eclipse ritual sacrifice of FTX and the whole cryptocurrency market. That took us back down here. And you can see right here on the chart, right? I'm showing you that moon phase pattern. You can see that full moon came in right on the same day that we had our election. Blood moon, lunar eclipse, ritual sacrifice, red candles, all the way down to 15,600. And then we just punctured that hitting new lows. New lows, so we got to move that down. We went on down to about 15,500. Yeah, just under 15,500 right there. Okay. And um, this yellow vertical line that I have right here, this is when our new moon's coming in. And so that's going to be uh, 1123, okay? So we got just a couple days away. The new moon will be arriving. And I was saying that if we're going to get any sort of pump, a little bit of bullish energy, maybe another bull trap rally, we've been watching how they've been occurring around these uh, new moons. We get a little bit of new moon, just like we got back in October 25th, partial solar eclipse, new moon, got a little bit of a bump, fake out bull trap rally. We shorted the hell out of it. And it was our final Bitcoin short before we took our chips off the table. And then we took our chips, our tether, transferred it all to XRP. And I got my XRP the hell off the exchange's 
before the liquidity crisis got any worse. So we couldn't have played it more perfectly. We'd been calling it out for a while and it was a beautiful thing to see. Now going forward, if you guys are looking to get tapped in, what we are doing right now is I just made it available for you guys to buy a year subscription on our Patreon, okay? So if you wanna get in our investment and research community, it's a great place to be. It's a great pay place to uh, commit to your education and invest in yourself, understanding not only cryptocurrency, but all these assets and how to run a business. I want you to talk to your tax professional. I just met with my accountant and I highly advise you guys take a moment to sit down with your accountant as well and confirm with him. But if you have a business, you may be able to write off the expense of the Patreon membership because of the educational content that we're going to be dropping for businesses in there. I'm super excited about the business development program that I'm building out. We're going to be launching that. And so uh, that's going to be coming and talk to your tax advisor, your, your accountant, but you may be able to actually write off that expense. And right now, towards the end of the year here, you got about a one month to change your tax situation. And if you've been thinking about joining my group, getting in the group here with us, we would love to have you in our family. It's a very tight knit community. Uh, you can now save, you get a 16% discount on that yearly membership when you buy a yearly subscription. So that is made available. And that was the biggest discount that I could get you guys was a 16% discount for the yearly subscription on Patreon. So if you're looking to get into the Discord group, head on over there, sign up for the Patreon, and you'll get full access to the Discord. And for those of you that have been in the group too, talk to your tax professional. Because of the content, the educational content that we're putting together for you guys, we're gonna help you make more money. We're gonna help you understand our investment thesis that have been so spot on. We can show you how we just traded the market flawlessly, eight for nine of our Bitcoin shorts over the last four months, growing our trading bag 100%. And we're going to bring that so much value and content to the Discord group over the next year. I'm so excited for it. And it's a family in there. I got people that have been in with me for over a year now. It's been nearly two years now in um, that we've had this family, this group over there. If you guys are looking to get access, it's linked on down below. And you can also find it at my website, ZachRector.com. The last thing that I'm going to shill at you guys real quick before we get off tonight is the precious metals. If you're looking to roll over your 401k retirement account to precious metals, the link down below for the precious metals is my people, my, my, my folks that will help you roll on over your retirement account, your 401k IRA to precious metals. If you're looking to make that move, I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice, but if you're looking to do so, I have partnered up with this company, very reputable. The link is down below for Precious Metals or head to my website. The top link, Precious Metals, will take you there. So I'm done with that. I got a little bit of time. Let's do a rapid fire Q&A. I appreciate all of you guys for joining me tonight. And we will have another episode tomorrow, our regularly scheduled time, Tuesday, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time, regular time, Tuesday, tomorrow. We will have another live. I just had to go live tonight because this is some of the most bullish news insight that I have gotten for Ripple XRP in a long, long time. So I had to go live tonight. Tomorrow, your regularly scheduled programming will continue. Hope to see you there. And oh, by the way, let me drop another one for you. The XLM deep dive that has been heavily anticipated and waited on for will be dropping on Thanksgiving Day. So I'm not going to be going live on Thanksgiving Day, but I'm going to pre-record the XLM deep dive for you guys, and it's going to be dropping on Thanksgiving Day. And I'm really looking forward to dropping that one for you guys. And that's going to be on YouTube for everyone to see. It's going to be premiering on Thanksgiving Day. Okay. I appreciate everyone for joining me tonight. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in. 
And all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.